welcome in whisper nation welcome in big trappy if you want to catch him on twitter and ask him for his personal advice on your team you could do so slide into his dms you can catch him at big trappy tfw on twitter you can catch me you could do the same thing if you want to ask me you like my advice a little bit better i don't maybe i don't know maybe you just look like my beard be a little to, bit uh, i mean i i i really don't think that either listen. my advice or my beard game is is uh, you know not better than yours like definitely better than yours for yeah, sure no listen uh this is my show you don't you can't interrupt the host here okay you speak what's so, spoken to huh? yeah so no in all reality Excited to have you, Big Travi, on this show, recording uh, a couple more matchups today. Right here. Uh, your matchups that you were uh, assigned here, and that is going to be start here with Tennessee at Baltimore. Then we'll move on to Philadelphia at Cleveland. Then we have Atlanta at New Orleans. And then we'll end with Cincy at Washington. Is that correct? No. We no. will not. We will not have... Uh, Austin already went over those ones. Yeah, Austin went all all over those all those matchups. Austin went over. So uh, actually, pick, no, 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 just the last one. You had the oh, first okay. three right. Yeah, uh, we're good. No, okay, so we're good. Just you got you all flustered here. Yeah, you got me all hot and bothered. All right. So, but before we get into that, if you are newly listening to our channel or podcast and you want to check us out and say, what are these? We, I hear the voice, but I want to see what these guys look like. Head on over to the Fantasy Whispers, doc, uh, Fantasy Whispers YouTube page. Fantasy Whispers. I don't, I don't, dude, I'm, this is horrible. Uh, <laughs> if you want to see our, ever. <laughs> best, best intro ever. If you want to check out our beautiful faces, you can do so and find us, uh, you know, on all social media, just, Search the Fantasy Whispers. You can go on over to thefantasywhispers.com. Or we always ask if you check, you know, subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the fantasy whispers. All right, Travis, let's dive into these matchups, shall we? Let's do it. You're like, yeah, can we like <laughs> let's let's get there uh today, Junior. All right. So <laughs> diving into this first one, we've got uh, Tennessee Titans at the Baltimore Ravens. This is a 49 point over under. And look what we have here. We have Tennessee not favored in this in this matchup at all. Uh, down six and a half points, Travis. Hard to see Baltimore being able to score seven more points than Tennessee from just the just the onset of looking at this over under and looking at this team, but am I crazy here, Travis, or is there is there something I'm missing? Let's dive into uh, this Tennessee side of the ball and and Ryan Tannehill and and this offense. Yeah, honestly, you know, we've been trying to talk up Tannehill the last couple of weeks, and he's kind of been letting us down. And I think that's where Vegas is getting this. You look at what the Colts were able to do against Baltimore uh, defense or against uh, Tennessee defensively. I think the Colts uh, are, and the Ravens can do similar things, get pressure on Tannehill, stop the run, do a lot of the things, you know, they have good cornerbacks. So uh, Ryan Tannehill, four straight weeks of less than 22 points per game. He's had no more than two touchdowns passing, no more than 233 passing yards in his last four weeks. Um, just really underwhelming numbers. You're going to get a Baltimore defense that only allows, on average, 230 yards passing. 
and they've only allowed 11 passing touchdowns uh, this season to quarterbacks. That's second fewest. I'm actually fading Ryan Tannehill in a, in a hard way. Uh, this is a stance that I know might not be popular with some Tannehill truthers, but I really just think this is going to be a tough one for him to get going this week. All right. Um, speaking of getting going, A.J. Brown took a while to get going into this season, but he's been pretty dominant uh, dominant ever since he started uh, getting healthy and getting that knee fully good to go. But he did struggle and let down a lot of fantasy owners last week uh, when we, we threw him into our, our lineups blindly with blind love saying, hey, we love you, even though the matchup doesn't dictate that we should throw you in there. And he burned us. He burned us hard, Travis. So should we trust him in this matchup or should we be looking elsewhere? Should we put somebody else in? Look, I think A.J. Brown is a guy you're going to have to start, Johnny, uh, just based on his talent alone. And if you look at last week, yeah, I mean, it's not pretty. One catch, four targets, 21 yards. He, he really let you down. But he, he was one bobble catch where he touched the ball on two separate equations occasions away from like a 60 yard bomb uh, touchdown that would have just made his fantasy day. So yeah, he's going to get a lot of Marlon Humphrey who is the lockdown corner for the, for the uh, Baltimore Ravens, but his talent alone means that you're starting AJ Brown um, because he's just, he he's the most talented and the most explosive of all the playmakers on that Tennessee side of the ball. All right. Are there any other pass catchers that you're interested? I know that you weren't, uh, you know, yeah, bullish. I think it's a three-man show, right, Johnny? Like it's Corey Davis, Jonu Smith, and, and and AJ Brown, like we talked about. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Corey Davis because twenty targets between weeks seven and eight made you think, oh my god, I got to pick him up, right? Like this is a guy I got to go get. But then nine Another targets hitchhiker. since then, pick him up. Yeah, exactly. But he's only had nine targets since then, and only sixty-seven scoreless yards over the last two weeks to show. Um, he's going to get a healthy dose of of Marcus Peters. There's just no need to start Corey Davis this week. And then the third wheel, so to speak, in this whole passing offense is Jonu Smith. You know, he had seven or more targets in three of his first games, but he's had two targets in three of his last five games. So he's really kind of been way more inconsistent over the last five. His usage has gone down, but he's still very involved in the red zone. He leads all Titans with 12 red zone targets. And Johnny, those 12 targets are 17th amongst all running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers in the entire NFL. So he is a guy that's getting used in the red zone. We saw it last week with the rush. They're going to continue. Arthur Smith is going to continue to scheme ways to get him involved in this game. And so for that reason, I'm in uh, on Jonas Smith this week. All right. You're the opposite of Randy Jackson. Um, but I'll tell you who else is the opposite of Randy Jackson. Going and, for more of a Mark Cuban uh, uh, Shark Tank opposite. But, yeah, uh, Randy Jackson's good, too. Well, That's uh, a no for me, dog. Uh, well, opposite of, of both of those uh, is my man Derrick Henry, who I understand Baltimore is not the greatest-looking matchup on paper, but you are got to start him, right? Like, you're not, you're not going to not start Derrick Henry. He's the RB3 in all formats, Johnny. He's yet to have fewer than 18 carries in any game. I feel it's a little insulting that you would make me talk about him right now. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we have Baltimore, to. It's our job. You have to. Baltimore giving up three straight weeks uh, of running back scores, even though they have been really tight against the run. They've been giving up touchdowns. So uh, I like Derrick Henry to kind of get home in this in this game. All right. Well, jumping to the other side of the ball, speaking of getting home, 
Lamar Jackson will be at home in this matchup. Does that help him get right? And does it help him include and get involved these pass catchers, uh, Mark Andrews more specifically, and Marquise Brown? I feel like Lamar Jackson in this Ravens offense is a lot like Kanye West. You know, Kanye West has these great banger albums when we're in college, and then all of a sudden he's getting a little crazy. And one album's good, the other album's not great. We're like, oh my God, why can't he get back to graduation, Kanye? And everybody with Lamar Jackson wants Lamar Jackson to be, why can't he be MVP, Lamar Jackson? I get it. Like, obviously, he's been a disappointment based on his second round ADP. But he's been the QB 10 in most scoring formats, Johnny. He hasn't had less than 55 rushing yards in his last four games. Um, we're going we're gonna to have to see how this goes because Tennessee allows the eighth most points per game to quarterbacks with 20.1. But they are one of only six teams to allow less than 100 rushing yards on the season to enemy quarterbacks. So that's the thing here is like, can are they better against running quarterbacks? Have they just faced a lot of statue quarterbacks? Is that the situation? We'll have to figure that out. I would trust Lamar Jackson here. I continue to trust him. There's just not somebody out there that's really going to wow you or put you over the edge over Lamar Jackson here. But you didn't figure that? You didn't look it up? What do you mean? <laughs> you, didn't look, you didn't look up the stat? <laughs> what? What do you mean? Wait. Hold on. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I just gave you stats. What are you asking me? I, I know, but you said... Uh, that's, that, that, that yeah, the stat the stat is that Tennessee has only allowed less than a hundred rushing yards to quarterbacks on the year total. Yeah, and then you said, but all of them have been standing still. Yeah, I think that's mostly correct, right? No, it. Ha I hope so. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me. I was looking for an answer, but uh. I digress. We'll move on here, dude. <laughs> I thought you were gonna tell me. I was. I was hoping you were gonna. The go bottom with... line is. The bottom line here is that you're starting Lamar Jackson. Uh, the matchup's good. It's especially good through the air, which we'll get into here um, with the pass catchers, and that starts with Marquise Brown because. Much like his quarterback, he, he's been a disappointment. Um, in half PPR formats, Brown has only had more than 10 fantasy points in three of nine games. He's only eclipsed 10 targets once. He's only broke 100 receiving yards once, and that was in week one. I think in most formats, you're likely able to even move on completely from Marquise Brown and redraft. But he's got some flex appeal in this one because the matchup against Tennessee defense is a the, they give up the fifth most points per game to wide receivers, 27.5. So I really do like the matchup for Marquise here. And, you know, people have been asking a little bit on, on social media, Willie Sneed, what about him? You know, he's been warming up seven targets or more uh, than 60 feet, more than 64 yards in two of his last three games. But I wouldn't chase points because he's also had less than 40 yards in six of nine games this season. So I think really the floor is, is there for, like, non-existent for Willie Sneed. I'd flex Marquise Brown. But I think the important thing to talk about here through the passing game and really for Lamar Jackson's success through the air will be with Mark Andrews. You know, once again, like I talked about Marquise being similar to his quarterback, maybe Mark Andrews is a little more similar to his quarterback because he's failed on his early ADP, uh, kind of like Lamar has, but he's still a must-start option at the position. Like, he's number 10 in targets among all NFL tight ends. You look at the boil injury that happened last week, and then Andrews played his second most snaps in all of 2020 and more snaps than any game in 2019. So we're talking about a situation where we're going to see more usage or more routes run on the field most, more likely than Mark Andrews than we ever really have over the last few weeks. 
We've talked at length about how the schedule opens up for this passing offense down the stretch, and I think that begins and ends with Mark Andrews, who you're starting in this one. I love that. Love the breakdown there. Uh, speaking of starting. Yeah, were those stats good enough for you? Jeez. Uh, those stats were great, man. I, I'm, you know, look, Whisper Nation, Johnny is a slave driver here. First of all, like, we come into these show sheets, and he's just, like, picking it apart here. And, no, I, you know, I, like, why do I even do it? Why do I even put up with this? You I get a call in from my manager here. Listen, I, I, I apologize. It just sounded funny the way that you phrased it, and I couldn't hold myself back from laughing. Yeah, well, grow up, dude. Yeah, but <laughs> speaking of growing up, you've got Mark Ingram growing up over here with the Baltimore Ravens and getting real old, and he, he looks like he could be big trusting on the way out. Uh, are you Mark Mark Ingram? Are you interested in playing him at all? Are you interested in playing Gus Edwards or J.K. Dobbins? What is going on here? Uh, give give the people something to just nibble on or growing up. To. More like throwing up when you look at this backfield. That's exactly what happens here. We've had seven games. I looked at the numbers here. I hope Johnny will approve. We've had seven games with all three backs. No back has had more than 14 carries in any of those games. No back has had more than 73 yards. And in fact, most of those games, they had like 40 yards was the highest in any given game. Uh, and the scoring is as follows. So Mark Ingram scored in week two and four. Edwards has scored in week six, and Dobbins had scored in week one. That's two touchdowns. There's just no way to project this backfield. We've done it. We have, you know, we're in week 11. We feel like we know we've had seven games of data, and we still have no effing clue. This is a mess, and you should fade unless one or more of these guys is going to be hurt. And right now, they're all three there. So that means, you know, all three are there. You're out of there. If you don't know, now you know. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next matchup we've got here. Uh, we are not. Uh, we are talking about Philadelphia at Cleveland. Uh, let me make sure that this over under is correct here uh, before I. I think they all are uh, okay. on this one. They weren't on the last few, but yeah, that's I was just like. I think these ones are because okay. they're in the right spot of the sheet. Perfect. Oh, Perfect. you know what? Yeah, you're right. That's right. Okay. Uh, so we have a 48 point over under uh, and Cleveland is favored by three and a half points. Not majorly a surprise when Philadelphia is just been uh, a, a straight up shit show, to be honest with you. And you think that, you know, getting back all these weapons will uh, help Carson Wentz? Nope. He puts up a big eight and a half points last week, a big major stinker. And then you've got, uh, you know, uh, it seems like a circus going on at the running back position with, you know, Boston Scott getting a touchdown, Corey Clement getting a touchdown, and Miles Sanders looking from the side saying, what's going on? So what do we do here? What do, what did is Carson Wentz even startable this week? And then tell me about these <laughs> running backs, man. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll dive in here because that's, that's the question we, you know, we do these show notes, whisper nation, and we have a little notes for Johnny uh, and those, whoever's hosting here, like a little storyline to go off of my storyline is Wentz just bad now. And that's, I just, I, it, that's what it seems to be like. We had five straight weeks, Johnny, where he had 21 or more fantasy points after those five weeks, he now has less than 13 in back-to-back -back games. He hasn't rushed for more than 18 yards in three straight contests, and he has two touchdowns and six turnovers in his last two weeks. 
two touchdowns, six turnovers. So not looking good for Carson Wentz. And these were great matchups on paper for him to capitalize. So here we are with Carson Wentz facing the 12th best fantasy matchup uh, for quarterbacks. Matchup looks great, but the weather in Cleveland lately over the last two games that they've played has been just god-awful, more ugly than this Philadelphia team. And I would just – it's a fade. You cannot play Carson Wentz. What – you would have to have the stones of a century to get giddy up and play Carson Wentz here after what he's done to you over the last two weeks. Um, and I'm just not going to do it. You know what that means? It's going to go for 40. Oh, um, I understand. I understand completely. But, uh, you know, that's why we get paid the big bucks over here to tell you to fade him. And then he goes off. You know, you asked about the running game, Johnny. I think it's very simple. Miles Sanders, uh, in any game that he's played other than the Baltimore game where he got dinged up, he averages 18 touches per game. He has averaged better than five yards per carry in four of six contests. So he's looking good. Um, this is a middle-of-the-pack matchup against Cleveland. They have had their days where they're able to stop the run pretty well. But they've also had games where they've given up Joe Mixon, you know, some some work, Giovanni Bernard, some big games to him. And, and Miles Sanders is that receiving back, that versatile back that should be able to get it done against them. Speaking of receiving and getting it done, uh, we have a lot of receivers that could potentially get it done this week against what looks to be a, a very favorable matchup uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. You got Jalen Rieger, you got Travis Fulgham, Alshon Jeffrey back from injury. What do you think is the pass catcher situation here? And then you also throw in Dallas Goddard uh, in this situation and him disappointing over the last couple of weeks. What do we do? Yeah, so really I think it's about three names in this passing attack. It's Jalen Rieger, Travis Fulgham, and Dallas Goddard. So let's try and break down some of these because Alshon Jeffrey, I'm just not ready to trust that at any point right now. I think he's kind of out there as a lumbering decoy. And Zach Ertz, they've activated off the IR for practice, but I don't see him playing just yet in this one. Um, so let's start with Jalen Rieger. Like he, last couple weeks, he hit season high marks in both snap percentage and target market share, both back to back weeks. So that's kind of nice. You like that? He's returning from the injury. looks Looks to be really good. Uh, will face a Cleveland secondary that has given up the third most touchdowns to wide receivers all year. Um, so he is on the flex radar for me, and that's because of the concern I have for Carson Wentz. So none of these guys are ever going to get back into the wide receiver. Well, I shouldn't say ever. They're not getting back anytime soon into the wide receiver two or above category for me until Wentz can prove that he's over his bullshit. So for, at this point, that's just how it is. Um, but I do like Jalen Rager as, as a potential flex. Travis Fulgham, similar to Rager. You know, this is a pristine matchup for Fulgham to get right in. But once again, he's tied to Carson Wentz. And I'm more concerned for Fulgham, who has not seen double-digit targets since week seven. Um, so as these weapons get back into the offense, it seems to be spread around the filth. Normally, you'd say spread around the wealth, but because Wentz is so bad, it's spreading around the filth. So I think he's on the flex radar as well, but there's a lot more risk in my mind with Fulgham than there is with Rager, and we saw that last week when he caught one ball. Only four teams give up more points per game than Cleveland to wide receivers, 27.6. So by all means, this should be a game for these guys, but this is maybe a situation where real football meets fantasy football, where we can see with real football the Eagles don't look good. But in fantasy football, this is a great matchup. So that's why these guys get moved down to the flex category for me. And lastly, in the pass catching uh, department, we've got Dallas Goddard. So he's had two weeks back from injury. He went from 83% snap share to 93% snap share. He went from one target and one catch with 15 yards to six targets, four catches, and 33 yards. I have to believe 
that he's just starting to get ramped up here and they're they're going to get it done and hopefully this offense which has always been kind of a, a tight end heavy offense will get it going for Dallas Goddard who is a red zone guy and that kind of lines up with what Cleveland's allowed you know Cleveland against tight ends is sixth uh, and catches allowed fourth in touchdowns allowed and top 15 in points per game allowed so this is a decent matchup I feel fine with basically the the dumpster fire that is tight end in fantasy football Dallas Goddard is, is fine in your lineups speaking of fine Nick Chubb you know, is mighty fine uh, oh uh, uh, wrong 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 website sorry uh yeah uh, Nick Nick Chubb is looking mighty fine uh, being back, uh, although you know some some people might have been cost to win because because Nick Chubb went out at the one. Luckily, you're looking at someone who was not uh, thankfully uh, affected by that. But are the pass catchers the only or not the are, are the running backs? the only piece of the pie that you want for Cleveland right now, or is there somebody else that you're willing to put in your lineup in this matchup? Oh, this is tough. Uh, I'll start with the running game, Johnny, because that is the main vein here. Um, I'm sorry to put you on the the spot. We'll get into the passing attack. And so speaking of main vein, Nick Chubb uh, is that main vein, and he is Well done. Well well done. Well done. (laughs) Uh, in his comeback game, he ripped off 126 yards, 19 carries. I, I really think that's enough said. Like the 11th worst matchup on paper against running backs uh, is Philadelphia with 16.9 fantasy points per game, but they've also allowed seven rushing touchdowns, which is the fifth most. And these are not running backs that you care about matchup with in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You know, Kareem Hunt's second most touches in any game last week with Mc. Nick Chubb back so like it doesn't really matter he's going to get his work especially in the passing game he scored double digit half point PPR fantasy points in every game with Chubb this year so he is a lock in your lineup as much as Chubb is a lock in your lineup and obviously Chubb is the higher ceiling play he's going to probably get you more points more usage but Kareem Hunt can get there um, and he can get there on less carries you know here's here's the thing you know you asked me about this passing attack if there's anything outside of it and I'll just start with Baker Mayfield because Johnny that's the thing. We keep trying to make Baker Mayfield happen. It's not going to happen. He's had one game over 20 fantasy points. 26 other QBs in fantasy have been better than Baker Mayfield. So that's not going to happen. And a lot of it is Baker not being very good in my mind. And also a lot of it's this offense. Like they just want to continue to run the ball. Last week they ran it 48 times. Um, so uh, 38 times, sorry as a team. So that's just what they want to do. So we talk about this passing attack and you're like, Oh, OBJ out of the lineup. Maybe, maybe Jarvis Landry is going to emerge as somebody here. Now there's been something to help his case. And that's that the weather has been really bad, right? They've had two back-to-back shitty weather games. We talked about that uh, with the Philly side of the ball, but he hasn't topped more than six targets in three of his last four games. So even dating back the last month, he's going to draw Cravion LeBlanc. That's the slot corner for Philadelphia. Now he's giving up 1.5 yards per route run. So if we can get a decent weather game, there's an outside shot for me that Jarvis Landry, especially in PPR formats, could be a decent play. Um, but other than that, like Rashard Higgins, he's likely to see Slay in this one. He's not going to get more than four targets because he hasn't seen more than four targets in four or five games this year. Like, that's just who he is. Um, so I'm not starting Higgins. 
And then I think lastly, Johnny, it's about Austin Hooper, right? Because tight end's a situation where like you're more forgiving because everybody really sucks at tight end. Um, he should get more involved this week as he's been coming back from injury from that appendectomy. He prior to the injury, Johnny, we've talked about this before. He saw six or more targets in three straight games. This is the number seven most profitable matchup for opposing tight ends. Philly giving up 9.5 fantasy points per game allowed to the position. I think between Hooper and Landry, that's who, if Baker Mayfield can get it going through the air, that's who it's going to go to. So really, it's just like if you have, you know, Austin Hooper or Goddard, do you trust Baker Mayfield or, or Carson, you know, Carson Wentz? Wentz, you know, and it's like yeah. both are gross, uh, but so is tight end. They sound hideous. Well, <laughs> That's enough said on this hideous matchup. Let's move on to the next one here. We've got Atlanta at New Orleans. Big Travi, this is a 51.5 over under, and uh, we got New Orleans favored by 6.5 points here. So, Travis, I'm going to talk about Atlanta here first before we talk about New Orleans and get into that whole situation going on uh, with Drew Brees. So, Matt Ryan. Is he is he streamable again? Uh, can you trust him, or uh, is are are people going to fall for a trap and be very disappointed if they plug him into their lineup this week? Yeah, I wanted to break this down because when we look at Matt Ryan, there's been a couple things working against him. We've had Julio out sometime. We've had Calvin Ridley out sometime. So I wanted to look at the games with Julio and Calvin Ridley healthy together. And those are six games that that's happened. And he's averaged 25 points per game in those games. So it's really, you know, we talk about how supporting cast is good for quarterback. Like it means a lot. And I think that's a scenario we're seeing right here with Matt Ryan. But he's also had 19 or more fantasy points in three of his last four games. And we've now had Ridley um, out with some time with this Liz Frank. So there's some hope here. New Orleans has allowed the third most touchdowns to opposing fantasy quarterbacks, 20 touchdowns to opposing quarterbacks this year. So I really like Matt Ryan as a streamable option. We talk about Carson Wentz or Baker Mayfield or some of these ugh, blah quarterbacks that you would want to start. I think Matt Ryan's a guy that gets in ahead of those guys for me. And, and I think, you know, this is a 51 and a half point over under. I could see this easily getting over that. Um, and, and obviously we're going to watch Calvin Ridley's health, but I think that Matt Ryan is worth a stream here. All right. Um, Todd Gurley, you're still going to keep plugging him into your lineup, right? He's a low-end RB1 right now as on uh, his total points. Um, but this matchup might not be ideal, but are you, you're still putting him in there, right? Yeah, I just don't know who you would start over a guy that's got 18 or more touches in four straight games and has scored in seven of his nine games played this year at running back. I, I just don't know. Oh, do you want to go down you, that? Uh, Mike Davis. Would you rather play Mike Davis would, or Todd? I would rather play Todd Gurley. All right. Would you rather play uh, Kenyon Drake or Todd Gurley? I'd rather – ooh, that is tough. Yeah. I'd rather play Gurley because Drake doesn't score touchdowns. Oh, unreal, dude. What a diss. Uh, what a burn. I mean, okay. look, How about I know this? you can't predict touchdowns, but seven of nine games, Johnny, that he's scored in. All right, and here's Whereas you can't, where Kenyon Drake is getting it robbed by Kyler Murray every game. All right, I got two more for you. Daryl Henderson or Todd Gurley? Todd Gurley. Last one, DeAndre Swift or Todd Gurley? DeAndre Swift. All right, there you go. Wow, just like that. You made it sound simple. Yeah, it is. I mean, I see it all. All right. So I understand. All right. Well, then tell me about these wide receivers if you see it so clearly, mister. Uh, it's been very 
very convoluted in the wide receiver situation because you, like you uh, alluded to earlier, the wide receiver position has been uh, a turmoil, turning uh, dead bodies left and right uh, because everyone keeps keeps getting injured for Atlanta. First you had Julio, then Calvin goes down. Calvin was limited uh, this week with a foot injury. Do you think he gives it a go? If he doesn't, do you what do you think of Oz, Oz as we, we like to call on the show, a Zigbo? Or Russell Gage, where do you like? It's not a Zigbo. Uh, it's Z- or, uh, now. Wait, now it's Olamidis Zacchisis. Yeah, we uh, we just call him but, Oz. Yeah, we call him Oz here. Look, here's the thing: we got to start with Julio Jones. That's the top of the route tree here. That's the top of the target tree. Uh, he averages nine targets, 106 yards, with three touchdowns over his last four games. Like he is doing the things that we expect him to do when we draft him at the turn or in the second round. Um, and then you look at Marshawn Lattimore, who is likely going to shadow Julio Jones. And I don't really care because he's given up 1.46 yards per route run to the position, and it's Julio Jones. He'll get his, and Matt Ryan will make sure of it. It gets tricky when we talk about Calvin Ridley. We talk about the foot injury. Um, he's been limited. I am concerned even if he does go, he's going to be off an injury. He's going to be facing Janoris Jenkins, who's been much more of a lockdown guy in this defense. He's only allowing .99 yards per route run to enemy wide receivers. And if you have a hobbled Ridley, he could really shut him down. I would not be... I would not be starting Ridley in this matchup, even if Ridley gives it a go. I think I think you got to fade him for this first one back. And I know you, typically you don't do that with your studs, but so much of Ridley's game is off of separation um, and getting off the line and getting able to score. And I just don't know if he's going to do that with his foot and with Jenkins uh, shadowing him or, or on him. Now, OZ would be the major benefit if Ridley doesn't go. And I think it would the same would go for him. I would be fading him in any kind of matchup. I do think there's a desperation flex appeal in Russell Gage if Ridley were to sit because you could see Gage get open a little bit more than OZ um, and I think that could give you a little bit of opportunity here Alright, uh, any interest in Hayden Hurst? Yeah, I think Hayden Hurst is one of those guys like Eric Ebron where you're just continuing to put in your lineup uh, because you can't find anything really better out there on waivers and he continues to kind of put up some nice peripheral numbers. He's tight end in standard, Johnny. Tight end 7 in PPR. That kind of shocked me to look at the numbers and see that. Uh, he has seven or more targets in three straight games. Has not had less than 50 yards in four straight weeks. Uh, will face a New Orleans defense that's giving up quite a bit to tight end. 9.5 fantasy points per game. That's sixth best. So, yeah, Hayden Hurst time. It's fire him up here. All right, I'll tell you who else, what other time it is. It's Winston time now. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. well, it's not official, official, but we're pretty sure it's going to be James Winston over Taysom Hill, uh, at least for the majority of snaps. Uh, Listen, any- we make a lot of jokes about Adam Gase having something over the ownership, uh, you know, in New York, and that's why he continues to have a job. Why does Taysom Hill continue to have a job and continue to be mentioned as some sort of starting quarterback? Uh, look, I think it's a fun story, and it's great, and he does all these things like run on a punt play, but he's not a starting quarterback uh, in the NFL. And to pay him uh, as much money as they are and to think that we don't see that you're going to start Jameis Winston here uh, really kind of is just like, what is going on? What is going on? Um, all right. Uh, so no interest in Winston this week. 
Uh, actually do. I, I have quite oh, a bit of interest. Well, in you Winston. said you said all that information bashing the well, guy. No, that was more of say... an that, that was an indictment on uh, Sean Payton, who continues to try to make Taysom Hill a thing. I think Jameis Winston's a nice sneaky start here. We're talking about a guy like Carson Wentz. Who would you start over Carson Wentz? I'd be starting Jameis Winston over Carson Wentz. That's and here's serious. why. When you face Atlanta, only Seattle's given up more passing yards this year, 2,903 that Atlanta's given up on the season. No one has given up more touchdowns, 22 touchdowns given up by Atlanta this year, and no one gives up more fantasy points per game to the quarterback than Atlanta, 26 points per game. Winston will likely start. He's going to have maybe the healthiest New Orleans squad to date as far as weapons are concerned. I like Winston in this matchup. All right. Uh, if you like Winston, uh, let's then jump on over to uh, Alvin Kamara. Do you like Alvin Kamara to continue uh, what he's been doing over the last you know, 10 weeks with Drew Brees out? We know Drew Brees likes to check down. Do you think because Jameis Winston is there uh, that Alvin Kamara could potentially see fewer passing downs? Well, contributor contributor for the fantasy whispers john credit uh one of your good friends a good friend of mine as well uh we were talking about rankings he helps us out with the rankings on the site and he's like who's your rest of season rankings and we discussed alvin kamara but one of the concerns i have for kamara is like you said drew Brees not going to be in the lineup for at least a couple weeks Jameis winston not really known for checking down johnny airs it out you know throws picks but doesn't exactly check it down to the running back at the end of the day, you're not doing anything with Alvin Kamara other than starting him. He's the RB2 in standard, the RB1 in PPR. Atlanta's been a pass funnel D, though. Um, they've only allowed 14.9 fantasy points per game to running backs because you just continue to throw on them. So I could see a temper expectations game for Kamara, but there's no way he's coming out of your lineup. Uh, Latavius Murray, any interest there or no? No. Uh, he's a handcuff. He's only had more than 7.5 Half, or I'm sorry, more than seven half-point PPR points this year. Only one game he's done that, so no thank you. All right. Uh, there are, is a lot of concern amongst not only people who traded for Michael Thomas but have rostered Michael Thomas this entire year, and they've just been able to get, get to use him, and he's disappointed vastly. What do we do? Do we panic? Do we sell? Do we buy? Buy, trade, sell, Michael Thomas, you're on the clock. Go, Travis. I'm buying Michael Thomas on pure talent, on matchup, on, you know, maybe upside because we just don't know what a Michael Thomas and Jameis Winston connection could look like. I mean, we've seen a guy like Chris Godwin do beautiful things with Jameis Winston, and we could see that with Michael Thomas who just – you know, has had Drew Brees, who doesn't push the ball down the field like as, as well as Jameis Winston does. Now, he's a better quarterback in many facets of the game, almost all, but he just doesn't push the ball down the field. This is an elite matchup, Atlanta, giving 30.3 fantasy points per game to wide receivers, and you've got an elite talent in Michael Thomas. Look, he's been back. He's been coming back from two separate injuries, both the hamstring and the high ankle sprain. But he's gone from 55% snap share in this first game to 78% snap share. He went from six targets to seven targets. I think people just need to breathe, relax, trust the stud that is Michael Thomas. This is a great matchup. And he's got two more great matchups immediately after in Denver and then Atlanta again. So, yeah, if you can buy him low at the value of garbage, yeah, get him right now because he's got a, a nice stretch and you could definitely capitalize. All right. Um, Emmanuel Sanders, any interest there or Jared Cook? 
Uh, I for Sanders, it's hard to trust. You got a QB fluctuation situation. Six targets over his last two games, and you know with he and MT back, but he is a hold because similar to the. Michael Thomas situation, Jameis Winston pushes the ball down the field. You could definitely see a situation where Winston could start some chemistry with Emmanuel Sanders, and you'll be happy you hold on to him, but I can't start him just yet. Jared Cook, you asked about. I, I know he's hard to trust. He put up a zero last week, but he's still going to get Atlanta. That's the number one tight, up ma- tight end matchup, and they give up more than two tight end touchdowns. They've given up two tight end touchdowns more than any other squad. They gave up eight this year, so that's nearly – a touchdown in every game they've given up to tight end. Um, so I actually really like Jared Cook this week. I'm joined by the Sultan of Stats himself, Summy, who can you who you can find on Twitter at Summy TFW. That's S A M I T F W on Twitter. Summy, what's going on, my man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing great, actually. It's week eleven. Can't wait to dive into these matchups with you. And uh, you know, it's 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 the the season's coming to an end. You know, we're we're nearing the playoffs and just exciting you know at this point in the season i think everyone's kind of like uh amped up and just wanting to see you know which teams are going to come out on top and some some people's seasons are in dismay because you know some of the guys that they drafted or traded for didn't pan out and you know we're all here to help out help out through that and uh hopefully you know this advice that we give today can can be a boon to you guys yeah so much of uh us waiting to see if we'd have a football season and you know it's been like a microcosm of life this year we were waiting to see if we'd have a season we have a season and now it's almost gone um and then you i loved what you touched on there because we kind of as fantasy football analysts or people in the industry almost end up being fantasy football like therapists for people to help them deal with their their issues with their players you know so um, i'm excited to be here and hopefully work through some of that confirmation bias and look at the numbers uh, for Whisper Nation, we're going to start with the Denver uh, host with the Denver Broncos hosting the Miami Dolphins here. Some it's a 45 over under. You got Miami favored by three on the road here. You know, we really want to look at the Miami side first. And right now, like Tua is looking to go four and zero as a starter, and he's done it with some pretty solid play, right? And a, and a pretty good defense as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know the defense has really been the advantage that two has had and i think that's why he's seen so much success because no honestly like he's played okay he hasn't played anything you know out of this world or you know anything above average what you would expect from a rookie quarterback so i do think the defense has definitely been helping him out i'm just curious to see if he can go four and oh as a, as a rookie you know uh that would be pretty cool um but yeah let's let's start here let's uh let's figure out what this offense is going to look like uh especially with you know the injury to Preston williams uh you know we have Devontae adams that we have the backfield and all that so uh, as far as like Tua goes, you know, Travi, I mean, I'm not the most confident in streaming a rookie quarterback in Tua. I know he's done okay the last couple of weeks, but still, like, if you if you look at uh, his, his deeper metrics, he's 30th in adjusted completion percentage under pressure, 60%, and 25th in adjusted completion percentage when he's uh, throwing from a clean pocket. So, like, he hasn't been the most accurate quarterback, but... The advantage is, you know, he's been able to get the ball out quick. And, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, we saw uh, he was doing the same. Ryan Fitzpatrick actually ranked third amongst all quarterbacks when he was starting um, in terms of uh, time to throw. And two is right there at fourth in time to throw. Uh, he's getting rid of the ball in 2.3 seconds or less. Uh, and he's holding the ball less than two and a half seconds on 62.4% of his dropbacks. So even if, like, this O-line isn't good, like, that stat right there will help mask the pass protection, right, for the for the Miami Dolphins, right? Because pressure's not going to get to Tua. He can get the ball out quick. Good scheme, good 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 game plans coming in. Uh, and I think that's really the advantage. He has a really good coach, really good defense. Um, 
but I think Denver will be a true like litmus test for Tua because they have a defense that, you know, has given quarterbacks a pretty hard time this season. Yeah, Denver's really been kind of overachieving a bit after all the injuries they've kind of faced. They've actually had, I mean, they've had games like last week where they get trounced for sure, but they've also had other games where they're putting it on, you know, putting it on teams like New England, not to bring that up a little bit uh, traumatic there for you, Sammy, but uh, I I wanted to ask you, because Tua could be on the streaming radar for some people, a guy like Jameis Winston could be on the streaming radar for some people, and maybe even a guy like Carson Wentz back on the radar after being really bad. How would you rank those three? Um, Are you starting to over Carson Wentz let's say so I might be biased in this take because I've had really bad quarterback luck in one of my leagues (laughs) same I've you know just streamed I always stream quarterbacks if I don't have like a a solid late round quarterback I drafted Cam and then you know Cam kind of fell off in the middle but uh, I started Wentz twice and both times I started him he's delivered less than 10 fantasy points to me um, and I lost one of those matchups, which was last week. So I might be a little bit biased here. I do think Wentz can bounce back, but the way he's playing, it's just I'm not banking on that, right? Like I don't want to – I might be a gambler, but I'm not going to risk that much, right? Like I, I'd like to have at least a solid 15 to 20 fantasy points out of my quarterback, and I think Jameis should be the number one priority there to get you there, right? Good offense, good coach. Uh, he knows the NFC uh, South opponent, the Atlanta Falcons. He averages three touchdowns and almost 300 yards against them in his career as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. I can't see why he can't do the same – with uh new orleans yeah i love that take especially because the atlanta is just like getting gashed by quarterback so i love that let's talk about two his weapons though in Devontae parker jakeem grant this the pass catchers here mike gasecki's been on and off the streaming radar how are you feeling about the pass catchers for tua and specifically as, as their start are they startable in this matchup yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say like all these, like any of these guys are must starts. Uh, the most confidence I would have is, of course, in Parker. Um, I, I potentially think he could be better with Tua than he was with Fitz, even though Fitz does have that YOLO ball mentality. Tua, you know, he could develop into uh, a top option for Tua uh, and reclaim that wide receiver one throne, especially with Preston Williams out of the picture. Uh, you know, he's seen three red zone targets in Tua's first three starts, whereas he only had one red zone target with Fitz in, from weeks uh, one to six. So that's uh, that's encouraging right there. I mean, it's not an easy matchup by any stretch of the imagination against uh, AJ Bouye and Bryce Callahan this week, but, you know, I'd still play him as a low wide receiver too, based on the volume and opportunity that he is going to see uh, as a top option here. Uh, Jakeem Grant is someone that I think, you know, you should keep your eyes on. Like I wouldn't start him right now. He's for the last two, three, two years. I want to say I've had my eye on Jakeem Grant. He's one of the fastest wide receivers in the NFL. Um, you know, sneaky return potential, uh, uh, punt return or kick return touchdown potential, right? Like he's there. He's a primary, uh, kick returner. And in weeks nine and 10, the last two weeks, he's seen five targets and four receptions and one red zone target each week. So consistent usage again, he's off the radar, but he could turn into a sneaky flex down the stretch. I love that take. Mike Kosicki has just kind of let us down as, as a guy a lot of us thought could be a breakout this year. Have you seen anything in the tape? Have you seen anything that makes you think it's going to happen? Or are you kind of done with Kosicki experiment this year? It's tough, man. We, we all want to love Kosicki. We know the talent's there. We know uh, he can get it done. It's just, you know, paired with a rookie quarterback, paired with, you know, a defensive uh, you know, minded coach, like, you know, they're just not looking to air out the ball as much. They want to make it as easy as possible on Tua. And I personally think they could make it, make it easy on him by targeting Gusecki because Gusecki can do a lot after the catch, but he just doesn't seem to be a big part of the game plan for them. And, you know, that could change this week. I wouldn't see it coming. Just, you know, data's not pointing towards it. Data's pointing towards, hey, this guy is not startable and I would not be interested. 
we are looking at the data that Salvan Ahmed has put out in both back-to-back games here. I mean, the first game was a little bit out of nowhere, but then he really came on last week, and so much so that the Miami Dolphins said, screw you, Jordan Howard, you're going home. Yep. And that in combination with the fact that they also signed DeAndre Washington, right? Like, so that like a lot of people have been asking me this week, Hey, what about DeAndre Washington? Is Salvin Ahmed uh, plug and play like, you know, workhorse RB, especially because they traded for DeAndre Washington. And my answer is yes, because they got yeah. Jordan Howard. So I see DeAndre Washington taking over that short yardage goal line role at best. I don't see him splitting carries on early downs or pass catching work. I don't, I see that all going to Ahmed. So I, I'm, I'm going to comfortably start Salvan Ahmed with like full confidence here as a high end running back too. Uh, I know Denver's like middle of the pack against running backs in terms of fantasy points allowed. They're allowing 21 total, but you know, we've seen floor uh, Brian Flores' tendency to deploy a workhorse, right? Over the over the over the course of the season. In week nine, Salvin Ahmed had seven carries, seven total touches, right? But in week 10, he saw 21 carries and a, a target, and he had 22 total touches, right? Eight of those touches were red zone touches. So that's over 33% Travi. Um, and that's that's a really good sign for a running back. And I, I truly think like even going into next year, keep this in mind, like Flores has a workhorse tendency. So whoever the starting running back here is here is going to get a lot of work, especially when this offense continues to improve into it with a second year. But I mean, in this week, you know, I would definitely roll out Salvan uh, Ahmed. Nope. No question about it. You know, he's, he's a workhorse, especially in the landscape right now that we have a running back. Like you're not going to get much better. Yes, a lot of people asking me about him and saying, well, I don't know about the matchup. You know, Denver, you mentioned Denver being middle of the pack. I mean, last week they gave up 37 carries to Josh Jacobs and Devontae Booker and four total touchdowns. Yeah. So as you know, I mean, obviously you don't want to chase all those points, but something there tells you like they're susceptible to a a workhorse kind of game. So I love Ahmed. I think he's a great start this week. On the other side of the ball, we have the Denver Broncos. We've got a banged up Drew, Drew Locke. We've got you know, very talented young weapons in the passing game and kind of a uh, underwhelming uh, running game here. So, I mean, I'll let you take your pick where you want to start here. It's not pretty. It's really not, man. I think it all starts with a quarterback, right? Like Drew Locke, I've, I've said this. I got attacked for it on Twitter. Like I didn't realize that there was a whole Drew Locke hive on Twitter. Yeah, dude, horse cock lock, dude. They love him. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Like, I don't know. I don't know what they what, what they're seeing in this guy. Like, I get it. He's shown some upside. He's flashed upside at times. But listen, if you can't consistently deliver that, I'm sorry, you can't be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And he's been literally one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL this season. And that's not just counting the starters. That's also counting the backups and the replacements like uh, Garrett Gilbert and Ben DiNucci as well. You know, so it, that's that says Ouch. something. Uh, he's He's horrible at processing his reads he looks down his target he doesn't look the safety off uh he holds the ball too long in the pocket like there's a million things i can go on and on about this guy but overall like you know he's 32nd out of 35 quarterbacks and adjusted completion percentage from a clean pocket and then 34th out of 35 quarterbacks and adjusted percentage uh, adjusted completion percentage um under pressure so like those two stats right there just tell me he's not accurate He's making errant throws. And, like, you know, these guys are getting 10 to 14 targets like Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. But, like, how many of those are really catchable, right? Like, you're if you're overthrowing your guy or if you're not throwing in the vicinity where your guy can actually catch it, those targets are meaningless. So, I mean, the volume here is going to be kind of tricky to kind of weed through. But um, and it, that's kind of extended down to the run game, right? Like, if these – if the Denver Broncos are, are falling behind early – 
you can't expect the running backs to get involved early, right? Like, yeah, that's what we saw last week. That's what we saw the week before. Um, you know, Lindsay's clearly talented. Gordon's clearly talented, but we're just not seeing them being able to be utilized to maximum efficiency because it's just a horrible matchup every week. Um, so I don't have that much confidence in starting uh, either of those running backs. I'm definitely not starting Drew Locke. Uh, I, I'd have to have balls of steel to start Drew Locke, honestly. Um, and if you do, then good luck. <laughs> yeah, well, the balls are still aren't going to give you fantasy points. What about the wide receivers, though? We talked about Drew Locke. We talked about this run game. How do you feel about the wide receivers? Because as you mentioned, they are getting volume, but we know that not all targets are created equal here. Exactly. I'm very glad you said that. You know, not all targets are created equal. Uh, but Jerry Judy, he seems to be established as the alpha wide receiver in this offense, right? This week doesn't have the best matchup against Xavier Howard, uh, who's been very inconsistent himself this year. Uh, who He's allowing just a 54.2% catch rate, but he's allowing 15 yards per uh, reception and about six yards after catch per reception, which is absurdly high. So um, he has his highs and lows this year. And, you know, it's just depending on which Xavier Howard we get this week. That's um, going to determine the output that Jerry Judy has. Uh, but one guy that I would tell you guys to keep your eye on is KJ Hamler. You know, I, I, I noted him to be in a blow up spot two weeks ago. Uh, I believe it was against Atlanta or yeah, against Atlanta. Uh, Jerry Judy actually went off that week. Um, that was a good call. Cause me and Johnny actually discussed that off air as well. We were going back and forth. Who's going to have the better week. Uh, he went out that time, but listen, KJ Hamler, he's a really high upside flex play. He led the team with 10 targets last week and the last two weeks, he's had a 22% target market share, 21.5% air yard market share. Um, so I like KJ Hamler. Keep your eye on him. If you have an extra bench spot, I mean, you could do worse. He's, he's looking to be kind of like a, a boom bust kind of player, but he has the volume to sustain a pretty good floor as a flyer. Yeah. Decent floor here. You mentioned it 20 targets over the last two weeks, 10 catches over the last two weeks, each game he's at 50 or more yards over the last two weeks. So really he's actually kind of setting himself up after dealing with injuries early in the year. And now coming back, it seems to be like he's, he's in the fold. I would say if we missed drew lock this week, it'd be a little concerning. Uh, but I don't mind the play, given you mentioning Xavier and Xavier Howard has been locked down at times, obviously been inconsistent at others, but it could easily be a Hamler game. How are we feeling about Noah Fant, Summy? Because this was a guy who broke out early and has been nag has had nagging injuries ever since and just doesn't seem to be healthy. Yeah, I mean, as of recording this, uh, we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, he did not practice with a rib injury on Wednesday that he sustained last week in last week's game against uh, Las Vegas. So until he can stay healthy, Travis, you know, he's completely off the radar for me. It's unfortunate. This guy has all the talent, oodles of talent, but it's just injury riddled, bad quarterback play. It's just a bad combination. I'm not looking to start him. Uh, Tim Patrick, though, I do, I do want to go back to him. You okay. Know, he, he was ejected last week. Uh, keep that in mind. So he didn't, I think he saw like six targets still. Um, I do think that he does take a slight hit with a, with the return of KJ Hamler, but it's important to note that big body frame, he still has more red zone looks than Judy and Hamler over the last two weeks. So like he could be a potential flex play as well, but I just ranked them now rest of season. Judy, Hamler and then Patrick. All right, let's move on to our next game on the slate here. Summy, we got the Minnesota Vikings hosting the Dallas Cowboys. This is a 49 and a half point over under with Minnesota favored by nearly um, eight points here. Seven and a half is the spread. We're going to look at Dallas side uh, as much as it may hurt us to do so. Cause without Dak, they've just been kind of all over the place. Are we going to see Andy Dalton back this week? Um, we'd like to, peg Zeke and see what we're going to look like for the rest of this year with Zeke. And then we've got to talk a little bit about the receiving core with Dalton. If, if that means there's anything 
uh, you know, worth starting there. Let's start with Andy Dalton. Um, and if he even makes your streaming radar on this one, because Minnesota, usually a defense you could go after. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we, we saw one game from Dalton. It wasn't the best. Uh, I'm going to kind of throw that away, right, because we have a larger sample size over Dalton's career of knowing who right. he is rather than that just one island game, right, where he looked really bad in week six. So I, I'm I'm kind of throwing that out mentally, and I'm saying that Andy Dalton is, you know, going to give me a renewed confidence in some of these offensive weapons like Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, um, and Zeke Elliott as well. So uh, as far as Dalton goes, I do think he's a viable streamer this game. Um you know, Minnesota's allowing the 15th most uh, quarterback fantasy points at 19.8 per week. Um, and again, you know, you could do worse looking to stream, but if Jameis is gone, um, you know, I would, I would go to Dalton or Kirk Cousins even on the other side. Yeah. Uh, for Ezekiel Elliott, um, are you, I mean, obviously we're, he doesn't have that first round shine anymore without Dak in there and, and kind of with the susceptibility of the offense, but how are you feeling about Zeke and especially in this uh, matchup against Minnesota? It's really weird, man. Like, I don't know about you, Travis, but it's like the first time in Zeke's career where he's viewed as anything less than an RB1. You know? Right. And it's, it's just kind of like, it's taking me a while to settle into that. It's, it's, it's a new reality. And it's, yeah. Speaking of that fantasy football therapist, like yeah. we're trying to grapple with the fact that Elliot is not the top five RB that we've dealt with. Exactly. And like, this is the first time pretty much that he's been out of the consensus top five in terms of like dynasty rankings and whatnot. But I mean, that's just the way it is. He's been in the league for what, like five, six years now. And you know, yeah, the, the tread on his tires is definitely wearing down uh, a little bit. And it doesn't help that the offensive line hasn't been healthy all year. It's not looking to be healthy for the rest of the year. Uh, but I will say, you know, this week, uh, Minnesota is allowing the six most, adjust most adjusted line yards um, to running backs uh, at 4.8. But, you know, Minnesota, we view them as like this defense that we can attack from the air as well as the ground. But one thing to note, you know, Minnesota has been a little bit more stout against the running game over the last couple of weeks. Uh, they've actually on the season allowed the 29th lowest explosive run rate at just 7.6%. Uh, but the one thing I can say, uh, if you look at Zeke's targets over the last three weeks, right, with Ben DiNucci and Garrett Gilbert, he's seen two, two, and three targets in games without Dalton since week six. In that game with Dalton, he saw 11 targets. Right. So I'm like, that's another, like, that's why I'm, I'm, I've renewed confidence in him now because like, Hey, maybe the target volume will keep him there in that RB two range. And I do feel comfortable starting him as that RB two. I like that. Let's talk about the wide receivers here. Summy because Amari Cooper has not been the Amari Cooper. He was obviously with Dak, but you, I think, you know, we talked a little off air. I think you're excited a little bit about Dalton getting back for some of these pass catchers. Yeah. Uh, that's absolutely sure. I mean, like Amari Cooper, it's he he started off the year and he was not the Amari Cooper of old days, right? Like he was consistent, he was a stud, and then now without Dak, like we've seen him go back to his old ways where he's like super inconsistent, uh, up and down performances. Uh, it's encouraging to note that in week six with Dalton, I'll just show you the splits here. So in week six, Amari Cooper had 19% of the targets, 19% of the air yards. C.D. Lamb had 19% of the targets himself, but 26% of the air yards. Michael Gallup had just 12% of the targets, but 27% of the air yards. So um, I do like Amari Cooper here as that safe option. I do think he has the safest floor amongst all three of these guys because he is the alpha. Uh, we do know that you know he has disappeared at times, but I do think Dalton will target him um, accordingly as his top pass catcher. And plus, he's playing against Chris Jones this week, who's played only two games for Minnesota, but he's allowed 83% catch rate and allowed a 10% touchdown to catch ratio so one touchdown on 10 catches so far so that's a good sign for amari cooper who can definitely dust him 
Um, are you th- considering Dalton Schultz, Gallup, or, or CeeDee Lamb outside of Amari Cooper? Yeah, actually. So Gallup is off my radar just because of the low target volume. Like, he's that deep down the field threat. Um, and, I, like, outside of, like, DFS, like, I'm not looking to play a guy unless I need, like, 20 points from a flex, you know? Like, I, yeah. I, I need that prayer <laughs> or that Hail yeah. Mary. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I'm, Gallup's, on my, Gallup's off my radar, but CeeDee Lamb, right? So he's playing against Jeff Gladney this week in the slot. Jeff Gladney is allowing a 1.62 yards per route run, 68.4% catch percentage, 125.3 passer rating when targeted. He gave up two touchdowns in back-to-back games versus Green Bay and in Atlanta. So, like, it, it gives me good confidence that CeeDee Lamb can dust this guy. Uh, Jeff Gladney's not – he's just a guy, right? He's not anyone um, that you should be afraid of. And I do expect CeeDee Lamb to actually have the best week this week out of all three of these receivers. So, um, if I were to make a bet with someone, I would put my money on CeeDee Lamb this week. Dalton Schultz at all. Any interest there? No, not okay. at all. On the other side of the ball, we have the Minnesota Vikings. It seems to be the Minnesota Dalvin Cooks as of late. Uh, They are just making sure they get it done behind him. Chicago provided on Monday night a little bit of a test to that strategy, but they were able to get it done regardless. You said that Kirk Cousins could find himself on the outside streaming radar. How do you feel about him this week against Dallas? I'm always afraid of streaming Kirk Cousins, right? Like me. (laughs) for two reasons this season. So um, usually it's just because like Kirk Cousins is very inconsistent, very hard to predict. Like he could implode any week. Uh, But the second reason is because the running game has been so strong and like Dalvin cook, if he goes off, like Kirk Cousins is not needed, you know, throw 12 passes and your day's done. Um, But I don't see that happening this week. I do think, you know, Dalton, Andy Dalton is going to be able to keep up on the other side. I do think, you know, they can put up some points more than they have. And I think that's going to force Kirk Cousin uh, to throw a little bit more. I think he's a viable streaming option. We saw that last week against Chicago, where he produced two wide receiver ones against a defense that hadn't allowed a single wide receiver one performance all year. So, like, we know Kirk Cousins can still get it done. So, I do like Kirk Cousins as, like, a viable streaming option. I think I'd place him in front of Andy Dalton as far as a streaming option goes. And then Dalvin Cook, nothing much to say here. Dallas is a great matchup, and he's a great player. I'm not going to give you any data on that because you should not even be considering benching him, right? Like he's Correct. an auto. Yeah. yeah, correct. And I think that kind of extends out to the wide receivers, right? Like we love Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, especially this week. Yeah, 100%. Both these guys can coexist as uh, wide receiver ones, 100%. Uh, Jordan Lewis, I talked about him last week, the slot cornerback for Dallas. He's the toughest wide receiver cornerback matchup that you can find in Dallas, right? He's seeing them, but Adam Thielen's seeing most snaps out wide. Chad Beebe is a slot wide receiver, so I'm not really worried about Thielen or Jefferson when it comes to matchup perspective. Because okay. Thielen, I mean, he's going up against Anthony Brown. You know, we're, so Trevon Diggs, by the way, the rookie uh, cornerback for Dallas, he was just placed on IR, I think, earlier today or yesterday. Okay. And, Chidabe Wuzie should be coming back. I don't know if he'll be fully active as of time, as of uh, the time that we're recording this, there's no news on that. So keep your eye out to see if Dallas reactivates, right? They already reactivated him. Check to see if he'll be active. Actually. Um, if he does play, he'll be lined up against Justin Jefferson. Still think that's a beatable matchup. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be his first game back against a stud rookie wide receiver. Um, you know, it's going to upgrade the secondary, but I still think JJ can beat, you know, the one-on-one matchup there. Um, as far as Adam Thielen goes, you know, outside against Anthony Brown, 69% catch rate allowed, 100.5 rat, uh, passer rating. I like that matchup too. I think they, they both can deliver again. I like it. I like it. Any interest in the tight ends? They just keep kind of taking from each other's ceiling here, I think. Yeah, and Irv Smith is a little bit banged up too. And, you know, Kyle Rudolph, he could have a week where he catches two touchdowns, you know, like that's in the back of the end zone. We've seen that happen. Uh, Just not enough volume or not enough appeal for me to even consider streaming any of these guys. 
All right, let's move on to maybe the matchup of the week here. The Indianapolis Colts are hosting the Green Bay Packers. This is a 51.5 point over under. You've got Indianapolis favored by just under a field goal at home. Uh, when we look at the Green Bay side of the ball, this one as a fan of Green Bay is a little concerning to me because when we face tougher defenses that can press our wide receivers, that can press up on Devontae Adams and really make things tough for Rodgers, we tend to struggle. I'm wondering how you're going to break this down because I'd really like to see what you think about our run game versus their pat, their run defense, just because that is how I think green Bay will try to win this game. So selfishly as a fan, I'm trying to get your breakdown there. Yep. Talk to me a little bit about Aaron Rodgers first and, and cause that's where it starts and ends for green Bay's offense. hundred um, percent. If Aaron Rodgers is out of sync, then, you know, the whole offense is going to be out of sync. And that goes, that goes without saying, I think that that applies to most teams than none. Um, but this week, it's going to be a tough matchup, right? Like, I'm still going to start Rodgers. I'm going to stay in the flames regardless of the matchup. Like, he's had that one down game against Tampa Bay. Outside of that, he's been phenomenal every week. Um, again, though, it could be a tough week for him, tough sledding, because if you look at Indianapolis, they're allowing the fewest fantasy points of quarterbacks at just 14.8 per game. Uh, and that's not a fluke stat. Like, that's been consistent over the over the course of the season. They have a really solid defense. Um, they, they have the third lowest blitz rate at 19.4% but they're getting the 12th most pressure, right? Mm. So 24% of their, uh, their, their uh, I'm sorry, 24% of snaps, they're actually getting pressure on the quarterback when the quarterback drops back. So that's a pretty disparate stat right there, right? Like if you're not bringing that much pressure, but you're still getting pressure, that says that you can actually get pressure with the front four and you don't, you don't need to blitz. So you can have more coverage on the back end. And I think that's kind of uh, going to affect these pass catchers. Uh, but the one thing I will say here, Travis, is like this is the first week potentially that we're going to have Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, and MVS on the field all together since like week two or like week one. And I think that's an improvement. It was, yeah, it was week one. That it was, was against one. Minnesota. And I think all three scored MVS, Devontae, and Lazard all got in the end zone. That's a good sign. Um, yeah. I mean, that the, the only thing I'm watching there, and we'll I guess we'll, we'll transition here to the wide receivers, um, is Devontae Adams nursing this ankle that pulled him out of the game. But then he came back and had one of the most beastly catches for a touchdown I've ever seen. Started this week limited. As we're recording this now, I'm getting an update that he was pulled out of Thursday's practice. Really? Um, yeah, well, just that when they went inside, he or when they went outside, he stayed inside. So I don't know if it's a management thing or we'll have to see what happens. I hope that they realize how important this game is against Indianapolis. Um, against see, similar, th similar thing happened to him yesterday, too, where he was listed as limited, uh, but I believe he didn't practice at all in the uh, portion well, of Yeah, I think he said he was working off to the side, correct? Yeah. So I'm interested to see what they do. This is a notoriously conservative uh, health uh, or training staff, so I'm kind of worried about Devontae Adams' status for this game. Yep. But if he goes, I mean, something we saw it like he had maybe his worst game of his career last week where he was dropping balls, uh, got, you know, he had a fumble uh, and then he got hurt. And then he came back into that game and had one of the best catches I've seen him make in his career yep. against Jacksonville. So kind of think he's similar to a lot of those studs where he goes, you got to start him, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you have an elite option, right? Like he regardless of him being banged up, regardless of whatever outside factors might be influencing his play, like he's still that elite receiver. And, you know, you don't want to bench that guy. Like you're going to be more upset with yourself if you bench him uh, on the risk of him getting injured or, or not playing a full game or being limited versus you actually playing him and him not putting up that many points. Like you'd much rather him in your lineup no matter what, because, you know, he's a wide receiver one overall in just seven games played and he has a bye, he had a bye week already uh he's a wide receiver one in points per game with 22.4 uh 
and the next best wide receiver in points per game is 17 with Tyree Kill with 17 points per game. So that's like a disparity of 6.4, uh, 5.4 points per game. You know, that's that's insane between the number one and number two right, wide receiver. So he's just been getting it done, man. Listen, I do think he'll go. I think, you know, especially because uh, he did come back in that game after that ankle injury. He yeah. might have gotten a shot of adrenaline or something like that to kind of help uh, ease the pain or whatever it is. Mask it. <laughs> yeah, I do think he'll, he'll, he'll go this week, but it's definitely something to monitor. How about MVS and Lazard? Lazard should be back. He's he's activated back here. MVS has a couple great games back to back here, but still a very inconsistent player on the whole. Are you falling for the trap of MVS or even Alan Lazard this week? To quote Michael Scott, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, strike three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, MVS is going to be that guy that uh, – He's going to disappoint. I'm going to tell yeah. you right now, like you don't want to pick him up. You don't want to start him, especially not in this game. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you why, right? It's a combination of number one pressure rate on Aaron Rodgers. You know, Indianapolis front four can get pressure that eliminates the need that, that eliminates the possibility of him like running downfield in busted coverage, right? Like Aaron Rodgers is not going to have the time to wait for that route to develop. Um, and then on top of that, you have the pass coverage, right? Like you have, uh, you have uh, really good cornerbacks, really good secondary in Indianapolis. And on top of that, you have uh, Alan Lazard coming back who could siphon off a couple targets. So it's just like a combination of uh, a couple factors where I'm just not going to start MBS. And he's going up against Rocky Sin. Uh, he's a rookie, but he still hasn't allowed a touchdown all season. And, you know, MBS is inefficient himself with his drops and whatnot. And, uh, I just don't like him uh, as a player. I do think he's he's a very inefficient player. I think he's one of those like boom bust kind of guys that you you plug in and you hope he has a big game. I don't think that big game comes this week. Uh, Alan Lazard, he could potentially be back. We still don't have word on him guaranteed, but word is I've heard that he could be on a pitch count as well if he does come back. So that's something to monitor. But uh, I do think ha- having all three of these guys on the field only helps Aaron Rodgers. Um, uh, his, his case is a you know a good fantasy quarterback this this week. Yeah, I like the breakdown there, and I think that probably extends out to Robert Tunyon, who has been a little bit banged up with his own ankle injury and has just not seen the production he saw when Adams and, and Lazard were missing out of the lineup. Exactly, Tunyon has been droppable for the last like two three weeks yeah. at least. You don't want to roster him right now. On the other side of the ball, we have the Indianapolis Colts. We've got old man Philip Rivers, who is not on your streaming radar, right, Sammy? No. Yeah, Never I don't is. think he's been. On, I don't think he's been on it this year at all. But we need to talk about this backfield because, not that I have a bone to pick with you, because I feel like you've been in the trenches with me with Jonathan Taylor. We've talked a lot about Jonathan Taylor this year. We we are well diversified in stock of Do- Jonathan Ta- Taylor this year, and yeah, it's just are. been so depressing. Um, but uh, as you know, down the middle fantasy football analysts, we have to see what we see. And that's Naheem Hines gives this team the most dynamic and dynamicism on offense. Yeah. And like, who would have thunk, right? Like back in August, back in July, back in September, early September, that you could have drafted the Colts running back one in the 15th round, you know, like we're all taking Jonathan Taylor here in the third round, but Naheem Hines is sitting there in the 15th round. Like that's just crazy. Um, but listen, he's he's come on really strong, and you know we can try to justify all we want for Jonathan Taylor, but I think it just comes down to it. Like he's a rookie, he's not playing well, and like they're just seeing better production with Hines on the field, and I think they're going to keep riding that hot hand, uh, especially against Green Bay, who's along the third most uh, fantasy points of running backs at twenty eight point six. Uh, interesting stat here. I was trying to justify why Jonathan Taylor has been so bad, um, and you know just from like the eye test, I could see that 
hey, when Jonathan Taylor's on the field, like this offense seems a little bit one-dimensional. He's going up against a couple of loaded boxes, a couple more loaded boxes than Wilkins and Naheem Hines. Um, and actually, I looked at the data, and 38.1% of carries that Jonathan Taylor has had have come against six or fewer defenders in the box, whereas Naheem Hines, 64.4% of his carries have come against six or fewer, fewer defenders in the box. So uh, that just shows, you know, the defenses are scared of Na- Naeem Hines uh, as a dual threat running back. And Jonathan Taylor, really, they're just concerned about stopping him from uh, busting up the gut. Um, I don't trust Jonathan Taylor. I know the the matchup is really good. I'm not trusting to start him in, the, in my lineup. I know it sucks because if you drafted him, you're probably st- – like hurting at running back unless you picked up like James Robinson or whatever it is, but like, you just can't start this guy outside of being a flex option, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately I'm stuck in a couple leagues with buys and some under other, other underperformers, yep. but I'm, I'm having to roll him out here just based on pure matchup alone. Hope that he can plunge in for a touchdown and make your day. But yeah, I, if you can avoid it, you should, but the RB landscape has just been so bad. I do, think, about- I do think it's realistic. However, that's a really good point you make. I do think it's very realistic that he ends up with two touchdowns, you know, like just, yeah. I mean, I think he could have done that last week against Tennessee and we wouldn't have been surprised at all. And he started the game as the ceremonial starter last week. Um, they gave him a lot of looks. I mean, this is a guy that I think has only dropped one pass all year. Like he's not, so bad that he's just causing them pain. It's just, I think that Naheem Hines gets in there and gives them another level that they were hoping to get out of Jonathan Taylor being a Swiss army knife for them. Yep. I agree. Um, Through the pass catchers, I wrote about Michael Pittman, right? As this in the waiver wire column, as this guy that could kind of extend out to be maybe a a version of Paris Campbell that we wanted uh, through Phillip rivers. But Look, I, I think he's a little bit of a trap. I think you're going to always be chasing points with the pass catchers for Indianapolis. But what did you think diving into the numbers and especially in this matchup? Yeah, so I, I agree with you. I do think he is a uh, sort of a kind of a trap, right? Because like Philip Rivers spreads the ball out too much um, for us to trust, you know, just that one wide receiver. Uh, he had that one wide receiver in Keenan Allen and in the Chargers, but he doesn't have that in on the Colts, right? He's spreading it out to Zach Pascal, spreading it out to tight end, spreading it out to Marcus Johnson, T.Y. Hilton's still getting looks, Michael Pittman's getting looks, Naeem Hines is there. So like too many options and Rivers is uh, receiver agnostic this year. So he doesn't really care who he's throwing it to as long as he's getting it done. And like this week, especially Michael Pittman going up against Josh Jackson, um, you know, who's a pretty tough matchup, who's allowed the fourth lowest yards per route run, 0.63 yards per route run. That's the fourth lowest amongst all cornerbacks. And the sixth lowest fantasy points per route run at just 0.18. And like that just that just screams like a red flag to me. You know, like I'm not going to start Michael Pittman, a rookie, against a secondary who's been playing pretty damn well, even without Jair Alexander. You know, Jair, Jair Alexander has been a lockdown corner this year, but Josh Jackson, a lot of people have not been talking about him. He's been playing phenomenal as well. Um, you're going to hate me for this take, but I'm going to say – like I said it a couple of weeks ago where I was, I was, I played T.Y. Hilton DFS because I just had a feeling that he was going to go off and he didn't obviously, but I have a feeling that this week could be the week. <laughs> <laughs> he's good. Listen, he's going up against Kadar Holman. If Jair Alexander can't go right. Kadar Holman is a six round pick from 2019, small sample size here, but in two games that he's played with 20 or more snaps, which are the last two weeks, Kadar Holman is allowed 16.7 yards per reception eight yards after the catch per reception, which is absurd. And then he's allowed a touchdown on just six catches. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if T Y Hilton blew up in this game. Cause like the numbers kind of tell me that he, he could, uh, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he just throws an absolute dud again. 
No, I mean, to your point, like we had last week, we had Keelan Cole have a monster game against the secondary without Jair Alexander. And then the week before Richie James uh, have a nice game against the secondary without Jair Alexander. So in that case, I I actually, you know, I I don't love to root against my team. That's not what I'm doing here, but I do think there's a situation here where there's a bit of a hole in that secondary without Alexander there. So I, I I wouldn't trust it. I could not stomach it with so many wide receivers out there that you can try to roll with, with upside, especially Mm -hmm. when I watched Phillip rivers try to throw more than 20 yards down the field and take a 18 foot shot puts <laughs> drop back. Uh, I don't want like any part around of- like four times. before you <laughs> It's ridiculous, it dude. It's so crazy. But uh, that's how I feel about that. How about the tight ends? Because it, it seems to be this weird committee. If, if the running back committee is gross, the tight end committee is even grosser in Indy. I mean, it's a wide receiver committee, running back committee, and a tight end committee, right? <laughs> you might as well have a quarterback committee here, too. But you, yeah. Actually, well, I guess they do. Committee. Yeah. I guess they do. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're a true football team, right? Like all. Yeah, that's true, all man. That, that's interesting. Um, but, no, Trey Burton, I think, is the clear tight end one here, um, as long as he's healthy. Mo Ali cox is involved. Jack Doyle is going to be out of this game, I think. He's still injured. Uh, I do think, you know, Jack Doyle and, and Mo Alleycox, they they both benefit from being in a tight end heavy scheme. Uh, I do bump up Trey Burton if Doyle sits, but I don't trust him this week. You know, there's a tough matchup. Green Bay's allowing the fourth fewest po- uh, points to tight ends. And, you know, again, like Rivers is just very receiver agnostic. So it could be Trey Burton. It could be Mo Alleycox. Like, who knows? Good luck figuring out who's start. Um, and that's kind of my feelings on on the entire offense as, as a whole. <laughs> Good luck I love figuring it. out. I love blanket statements, especially with these Colts. It's easy to do. Yep. All right, let's bring it home with the Monday night football matchup, Sammy. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are hosting the Los Angeles Rams. Before we get into this matchup, if you're new to the channel, go ahead and hit like, hit subscribe, turn those notifications on, and make sure you join Whisper Nation where we're putting out new content every single week on the YouTube channel. We would love to have you. Give us your comments and your questions, and let's help you get the W's and get you into the playoffs and get that trophy on your shelf this year all right so this game's 47 and a half point over under summy we've got tampa bay favored by three and a half at home this is you know i, I said indy green bay might be the matchup of this week the week this could be the matchup of the week this is a really nice matchup you know maybe mcveigh looking for a little revenge on tom brady after the super bowl but we've got a situation with the rams where they're not very complicated we know what they're going to do they're going to run the football use play action Jared Goff against this defense. I mean, he couldn't even get it done last week against Seattle and burned me in a couple of leagues. How are you yeah. feeling about this week? Yeah. I mean, Jared Goff has been slowly imploding over the last couple of weeks, you know, <laughs> and I think that as a whole just makes his offense a lot harder to predict, uh, extending out to the running backs, sending out to wide receivers and even to the tight ends. Um, I am really concerned about Jared Goff this week though. Uh, if McVay doesn't have a solid game plan coming out in this, in this game, like we're going to see Goff struggle a lot. And I say that because Tampa Bay's defense, they rank second in blitz rate, 42.3% blitz percentage. Uh, They rank second in pressure rate, 27.4% pressure rate. And they rank second uh, with 110 total pressures. And Goff, we know how how bad he can be if there's pressure in his face constantly, right? Uh, He's... 31st out of 35 quarterbacks with 100 or more dropbacks uh, when you look at adjusted completion percentage under pressure. He's completing his passes just 54.7% of the time when he faces pressure, whereas he has the second highest adjusted completion percentage from uh, a clean pocket, right? So that shows you the disparity there. And then if you look in his splits with play action and without play action, 
He has a ninth highest drop off in accuracy with no play action versus play action. And he has a 10th highest drop off in yards per attempt with no play action versus play action. So like, again, this, they're going to have to have a solid game plan come out and alleviate some of this pressure. They're going to have to have a lot of motion at the snap like they have been doing this year. I think that helps. Like that's, that's one of the weaknesses for the Tampa Bay defense and McVay has been able to do that really well, especially in the beginning of the year where it's not just pre-snap motion, it's motion at the snap. So while the ball is being snapped, you have Robert Woods running a jet sweep or, or fly mm. or whatever it is. And I think that really alleviates a lot of the pressure concerns with a, with a blitz happy team like Tampa Bay. It reminds me of one of those books where you like the mystery books where you had to pick an answer and then you went to a different part of the book and then you yeah. came back to the other part of the book. It yeah. just makes them like multifaceted, right? They can like, yeah. if the jet sweep comes, they can fake the sweep. They can fake the handoff. They can do all these different things. They can actually run a reverse, like all these things that kind of help. And that's what you need to get these blitz heavy defenses off your back. So I really love the breakdown there, what you're saying. I need to ask you because you're one of the bigger brains I know in the industry, what you yeah. think's going on with these running backs because – you know, in some of my zero RB leagues that I, I went with, Daryl Henderson was a nice pickup and he's and he's come up huge. But I'm a little bit concerned with how it's coming with Akers getting healthier each and every week and actually led them last week in carries. Give us your synopsis here of the running back uh, back or the backfield here for the Rams and, and what you think about this game against Tampa. Yeah, I just think this is a full blown committee. It's going to be super hard to predict. I was really high on Daryl Henderson a couple weeks back where I was like, hey, you might want to trade for this guy. Like, right, you know, right. Cam like, Maker's injury was a lot worse than, than, than we were led on to believe, right? Right. He ripped the, 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 the muscle off of his ribs, and like that's a, that takes a while to recover from. But surprisingly, he's back on the field. And Malcolm Brown, he's annoyingly involved still. He had two red zone attempts last week. He converted both of those for two touchdowns. That should have been Henderson's or Akers, right? Like, we, we need to give some of these guys more opportunity. Malcolm Brown has been just a guy, um, albeit he's been able to get it done, you know, when they need him. Um, but Tampa Bay, you know, I don't like the matchup this week. Seven fewest running back fantasy points at 18.2 per game total. Uh, third fewest adjusted line yards allowed with just 3.43. And Henderson, I mean, like encouraging thing about him is that he was seeing two plus red zone attempts every single game until last week. He only saw one red zone carry and Cam Akers and Malcolm Brown kind of overtook him in that regard, right? Uh, Akers had five red zone carries last week and Malcolm Brown had two. Henderson had one. So like... It makes this a full-blown committee, and to be honest with you, like as big of a brain as a person can have, like they won't be able to predict who's going to be the guy to start. Because like Acres, I get it; he led the Rams last week with ten carries. I don't think that'll continue. I don't think he's he's going to lead the Rams again this week. It could be Daryl Henderson, but I do think Acres is going to be worked in, and I think they're trying to work in the rookie and get him some touches, get him some some reps, so he can actually get better down the stretch. All right, I've got a few questions then. We got Daryl Henderson up here in this committee. What about him or Naheem Hines this week? Uh, give me Hines over Henderson. Henderson or uh, Giovanni Bernard? If Mixon doesn't go, give me Mixon. Oh, I'm sorry, give me, give me Bernard. Okay, cool. Thank you yeah. so much. On the wide receiver side of things, <laughs> was that a not, not personally for me, but there is, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh -huh. asking for a friend, you know. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> we, let's talk about the wide receivers because we thought we had a two-man show in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, and just last week against a really bad Seattle defense, Josh Reynolds got back involved. So I want to know what you think specifically against some of these nice corners that Tampa Bay has, uh, what you think is going to happen in this matchup. Yeah, Travi. I mean, it's not just last week, right? Josh Reynolds is actually over the last four weeks with the buy included so last three games pretty much he's seen 109 air yards per game which is seventh amongst all wide receivers he's ran 123 routes and woods and cup both have ran 122 so he's ran one more route than both these guys 
He has 29 targets versus 19 for Woods, 33 for Cup in that time span. And he has two red zone targets, which is the same as Woods and Cup. So, like, Josh Reynolds is just as good as rostering Robert Woods at this point. Like, he's getting the looks. He's running the routes. He's seeing the snap count. Like, I like Josh Reynolds' rest of season. I like his outlook, especially this week, you know, when Robert Woods is likely going to be shadowed by Carlton Davis, who's been one of the top cornerbacks in the league this year, allowing just a 55.7% catch rate, 0.96 yards per route run, which ranks 16th fewest amongst all cornerbacks. Uh, Carlton Davis is allowing 58.3 uh, passer rating, hasn't allowed a single touchdown since week three. And since week three, he's actually allowed only 9.8 yards per reception. So, like, that matchup is really scary and concerning when it comes to Robert Woods, especially because, like, if you look at Robert Woods over the last two weeks, he's really let you down. And yeah. uh, you've been kind of salty if you started him. But, you know, he's a stud. You know, I, I still rank him as a wide receiver two option. Um He's he's still looking to be the white the, the alpha in this offense. Uh, I do like Cooper Cup a lot more than both of these guys this week though because Cooper Cup gets matched up against Sean Murphy Bunting and Sean Murphy Bunting. If you guys have heard me say all throughout the season, he's been the most attackable uh, cornerback in this defense and he's allowing the highest catch rate, eighty eight point one percent catch, highest passer rating when targeted, one thirty one point eight. Uh, highest uh, yards per route run allowed, 1.46. That's actually sixth highest amongst all slot cornerbacks as well. And he's allowed four touchdowns in coverage to the slot, uh, one to DJ Moore in week 10, one to Golden Tate in week eight, and then two to Keenan Allen in week four. So slot receivers have been able to get it done against uh, Sean Murphy bunting. And I like Cooper Cup this week as like uh, uh, low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. Any interest in Josh Reynolds at all? Uh, Absolutely. Okay. I'm looking at Josh Reynolds as a flex option or pivot off of Robert Woods. Like if you have Robert Woods, you don't want to play him. Like by all means, like I, I wouldn't be mad at you if you picked up Josh Reynolds and played him over Robert Woods at this point, but um, he's a good flex option. If, even if you don't have any of these guys like Cooper cup or Robert Woods. So how about the tight ends, Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett looks like Higby got back last week, but they continue to just kind of eat at each other's existence. Yep. Any interest here at all? Yeah, I mean, they, they've definitely cannibalized each other's production, but I do think, you know, the game plan of McVay, like, is going to do what I think he's going to do. I think the tight ends are going to be pretty involved this week because tight ends actually alleviate a lot of things for for uh, Jared Goff, right? They're added pass protection uh, when they're in on pass blocking snaps, and they're also safety valves for Goff in the short passing game uh, over the middle, and we've seen uh, McVay run a couple tight end leaks here and there, and, you know, like we've seen the tight ends be really effective, a really big part of the game plan, and we've seen Goff do really, really well when these tight ends are involved, so um, I'm not comfortable starting either of these guys, but I do think that they are a little bit more involved this week than a lot of us want. And I think that's also a detriment to Robert Woods. That's another reason why I'm, I'm a little bit lower on Robert Woods this week. On the other side of the ball, we have Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, Brady has been kind of, I mean, he's been somewhat consistent for the most part. He, he puts up his numbers and he has his ceiling games. How are you feeling against this Rams defense, which has been really, really good against opposing quarterbacks? Absolutely. Their secondary has been good all year, and people are just now starting to realize it. Um, and I think that's because, like, you know, earlier in the year, I, I heard a lot of people having a gripe with, like, Jalen Ramsey and, like, you know, the Rams not utilizing Jalen Ramsey to shadow the opposing top wide receiver. But, like, that's smart, right? Like, if you put Ramsey – um, in zone or something, right? Or if you put Ramsey on your second best option, you can you can double cover the top guy. The same thing New England has done. But Jalen Ramsey's actually been covering DK Metcalf. He's been covering Michael Thomas. He's been covering you know Sterling Shepard and 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 uh, uh, Nelson Aguilar. I guess the wide receiver one for Las Vegas. But um, you know Jalen Ramsey has been really really good um, yeah. for the last couple of weeks. So I I, I do like. Uh, 
this defense to to kind of overshadow like Mike Evans and Antonio Brown. Uh, we'll talk about these pass catchers here, but like Tom Brady, I still think you know his kryptonite is pressure. Right? We've seen Tom Brady. If you get pressure on him, he flutters. If he doesn't have an open receiver, and if you look at the Rams defense, they're uh, blitzing at the 12th lowest rate, 28.4% blitz. And they're actually getting the 14th highest total pressures on the, on the year with 80. So that tells you again, Aaron Donald, like we know how much pressure you can get on the interior line. Uh, you're not going to get much pressure on Christian Wirfs on, uh, on the right side. Um, you know, this offensive line has been really good for Tom Brady, but like you can get pressure on him. Uh, Brady as well, if you look at his adjusted completion percentage under pressure, 60.3%, which is 27th out of 35 uh, quarterbacks. So that's concerning. But I do like the fact that he has all three of his pass catchers healthy back. And I think that's just a boon for him. So, yeah, pretty excited to watch Aaron Donald versus that offensive line of the Bucks, which has played really, really well. Absolutely but it is Aaron Donald. And so speaking of that great offensive line, it's kind of made Ronald Jones just kind of linger around and stay there. And uh, how are you feeling about this backfield, especially against a middling, maybe even tough run defense at times? Uh, how do you feel about Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, the split and how, and what you think, you know, this game going forward. So yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, Ronald Jones, he, he blew up last week. Um, that was expected. We expected one of these guys to kind of go off. Um, it was against Carolina. Carolina is like literally the softest uh, running back matchup, softer than Charmin. Uh, and we saw Ronald Jones take full advantage with a 98-yard uh, touchdown run to the house. Um, this week is going to be a little bit tougher because like you have the Rams who are allowing the fifth fewest running back fantasy points with just 18 total. They're allowing um, – the sixth lowest explosive uh, explosive run rate, which is 9.8%. But, you know, there's one caveat here. They're allowing the 25th most adjusted line yards, right? Ronald Jones, we've kind of seen him, like, make his bread and butter in those explosive runs, right? He, we've seen him, you know, he, he, he goes off for, like, 15 yards here. He goes off for 18 yards here. That's kind of where he gets his fantasy points. Like, he's not really had advantageous um, game scripts, right he's he's had that new orleans game he had that game against chicago he's had other games like against the giants where it was close and they didn't really have him on the field as much so i don't think we've seen ronald jones uh shine as much as we could have this season uh but i do think he has a really friendly upcoming schedule but this week i'd be a little bit concerned about him i have him as a mid mid to low rb2 this week just because we know what their roles are we know rojo is going to be there on early downs and if there's a positive game script he's going to be uh involved heavily and if that's not the case, then we know Fournette's going to come in on passing downs, hurry up situations. Um, and Fournette's going to, you know, he's been seeing also uh, double digit touches in 50% of his games. And, you know, he's also seeing the red zone carries and, and red zone touches as well. So uh, it's going to be a nasty split here. I have more confidence in Leonard Fournette's floor than I do Ronald Jones, but I like Ronald Jones' ceiling if the game script is there for him. Love that breakdown. Let's talk about those pass catchers. We got Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Antonio Brown to go through here um, against a really good uh, Los Angeles secondary, as we alluded to. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, the secondary, again, going back to it, let's start off with Antonio Brown. Going up against Darius Williams, most likely, who's allowed a 48.6% catch percentage, lowest amongst all uh, Los Angeles Rams cornerbacks, as well as fifth lowest amongst all cornerbacks in the league. Wow. Um, he actually picked off Russell Wilson twice last week, you know, so that's also concerning. Uh, he's allowing a 41.4 uh, passer rating, but he's covering Antonio Brown, right? 
Antonio Brown, like if you think about it, like when, when the season starts, it's not until like week four that we see all these studs really start to pop. Right. Cause it takes a little, little bit of time to get back into football shape. I think the same thing's happening to Antonio Brown. He hasn't played the game in about a year and a half, two years. Um, and it's just taken a little bit for him to kind of get back up to speed. Um, it isn't. We Antonio saw it with Brown. a guy. We saw it with a guy on the same team and Robert Gronkowski. There you go. And now look at Gronk like every week. He's, you know, you're, you're not taking him out of your lineup. Uh, Antonio Brown is a Hall of Famer. Uh, we can't deny that. You know, the stretch that he had from 2012 to 2018, whatever it was, absurd, right? Like averaging 1,400 yards a year. Like we know what AB is. Um, and I do expect if anyone is going to beat this coverage, it could be AB, right? But just based off the numbers, like I wouldn't want to start AB as anything more than a flex option. Uh, one thing I do want to speak about, you know, there was an incident about him kind of yelling and, and throwing something at his, at his apartment complex. Um, the uh, So Aaron's came out and he said that, hey, we knew about this incident when we signed him. Uh, we shouldn't be talking about this because it's kind of like beating a dead horse. You know, we've already we're, we've already known about this. Let's focus on the game. So I don't expect any punishment to come down anytime soon because NFL investigations take a little bit of time. So you're kind of safe if you if you do have Antonio Brown for the time being. That could change on a, on a drop of a hat. So keep uh, keep plugged in there. Um, Chris Godwin is my favorite start amongst all these uh, wide receivers this week. Uh, he's going up against Troy Hill, who hasn't been the easiest matchup, but he's the easiest matchup amongst all uh, Los, Los Angeles Rams cornerbacks, right? Um, 1.14 yards per route run allowed, 75% catch rate, but Troy Hill has allowed no touchdowns on the year, and he's allowing only a 9.7 yards per reception. So, that's kind of concerning there. I do see Godwin as a high volume wide receiver too. Uh, I don't think he can have like, you know, a ceiling game. I think he'll, he'll be able to deliver solid production though. And the other side, Mike Evans, you know, we've kind of seen Mike Evans be relegated to just an end zone guy that Brady looks to. Uh, he's going to be against Jalen Ramsey this week. We know what Jalen Ramsey is 52.9% catch rating allowed. Uh, 10.3 yards per reception, 76.3 passer rating, 0.56 yards per route run allowed, which is second amongst all cornerbacks. And he's given up zero touchdowns since week three, where he gave up two touchdowns to Stephon Diggs and Tyler Croft. So I don't like this matchup with Mike Evans this week. I view him as a wide receiver three or flex play. And Gronk, we already kind of touched on him. You know, we're starting him every week. He scored four out of the last five games, excluding that game against New Orleans, which was kind of just a crazy game to begin with. But uh, Gronk is an every week tight end one. I mean, Whisper Nation, you don't get more succinct or statistically sound than that. <laughs> Summy coming in as the Sultan of Stats, always breaking it down for us. We love these Monday night matchups with Summy. If you've got any start sit questions, make sure you're commenting below. For Summy, who you can find on Twitter at SummyTFW, that's S A M I T F W. I'm Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at Big Travi TFW. We are the Fantasy Whispers, and we're out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.